Will you pray with me? Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. I'd like to make an introduction today, if I may. I propose to introduce you to God. You may think you know God, and undoubtedly you do somewhat. You know some things about God, but do you know the essential thing? Do you know this? Once upon a time, God spoke the world into being. Crusty earth and heaving sea and cerulean sky. That God separated night from day, hung the moon, the sun, and the stars, formed praying mantis and kingfisher, ponderous manatee and bearded buffalo. That God then fashioned humans, breathed life into them, and bequeathed to them a luxuriant garden in which to live and love and play. It was good. It was perfect. By all accounts, God was delighted as doting and enthralled with creation and its creatures as our parents with a newborn child. Then, within days, the first humans go and break God's heart, going behind the divine back, as if God doesn't know. Ah, but then they have children, sons, two sons. But their sons grow up to vie for status. One kills the other. The murderer lies to God about what he did with his own two hands, as if God doesn't know. It's all laid out there in the opening chapters of Genesis. A sparkling, dewy, starry start that so quickly devolves. Barely six chapters into the great experiment of this love affair between God and God's creation, including God's highest achievement, the creature with freedom and agency. Barely six chapters in, and it's devolved into petty quarrels, fights over fiefdom, jealousy, theft, betrayal, murder, fratricide. You know the list. The sins are as old as humankind. And God, whose heart is broken and breaking, God turns the divine back on the whole regretful project, sorry and defeated, hurt and confused. God decides to scratch it all out and start over, start afresh. There's nothing quite like a new beginning, the new beginning of crisp, fresh sheets on a newly made bed the new beginning of an empty canvas and glistening oil paints, indigo and magenta, coral and sage. That's what God decides. A fresh start it will be. But first, God must destroy God's own creation, saving out just a remnant, old Noah, 
who alone had found favor with God and his family, and, of course, two of everything. It was terrible, the devastation. Let's not gloss over it. The lives lost, drowned, the suffering, the terror, the carnage. I know it's a story, but the story involves a massacre. To be sure, Noah and his family and two of everything, they survive, and we train the spotlight on them, on the survivors, on the favored ones. But all the rest, it was a massacre. Indeed, it was the sheer horror of the devastation and carnage that moved God to do what I really want you to understand today, what I want to introduce you to about God. It's called the divine pathos. That's a theological term, the divine pathos. It might be the single best thing you learn in seminary. The divine pathos refers to how very deeply God feels toward humankind and toward the creation. Pathos, a Greek word meaning suffering or experience. Biblically speaking, it is the anguish God experiences at the failures and at the suffering of creation. It is the way God is moved deeply and powerfully moved and affected both emotionally and as a practical matter by what transpires among us on this earth. God, devastated by God's own act of destruction, devastated by God's own omnipotence, by the horror wrought by the flood, God reaches out to the band of survivors shivering in their hulking houseboat, bobbing on the retreating waters. God reaches out to old Noah and to the descendants of Noah, that is, to every human person subsequently to live. And God reaches out to the creatures. The phrase, every living creature, is repeated six times in the six sentences in today's reading. Every living creature. A reminder to you and me, God's highest achievement, the creature with freedom and agency, that the divine heart cares as much as deeply about the darting chickadee and the eccentric meerkat, as much about the habitat of the polar bear as God cares about us. So here's what happens. Here's the essential thing. God makes a unilateral vow. God reaches out to the survivors and says this. God says, I am hanging my bow, my weapon. I'm hanging my bow unstrung in the sky. I'm hanging it up for good. God vows never again, no matter what. No matter how hurtful or hateful or deceitful and corrupt, no matter how despoiling no matter how rapacious humankind gets, no matter what, God will never, ever again destroy the earth. 
God now knows better than to expect us to live up to our side of any treaty. So this is a God-only treaty. It's a one-way, one-sided, lopsided pact. Did you know this about God? It is said that one of the attributes of God is immutability. It is said that God is unchanging. In this story, we meet a God who is unchanging, immutable, only in God's refusal to give up on us. Did you know this about God? The God who enters into covenant with Noah, into this one-sided unilateral covenant, is no objective judge who follows the letter of the law to mete out a just sentence. No, this is a pining lover, or a desperate parent, aggrieved, pained, yet ever seeking reconciliation, always seeking to be in relationship, never ever giving up. A God who never ever again will close the door on us. Did you know this about God? And as the rainbow is a memory aid for God, a reminder of this most generous, one-sided, lopsided pact. So is Lent, the season of Lent, the Church's response and memory aid. The season of Lent invites the Church to reflect on the awesome, awful freedom we enjoy, the freedom to despoil, to cause injury, to dominate, but also the freedom to self-limit to restrain from indulging our base appetites. Lent is the season in which the Church seeks to get right with God, which means always, inevitably, getting right with each other and with all the other others, inclusive of creation and every living creature. The season of Lent is a season of reckoning and truth-telling and practices of restraint. Will you join us? Do you dare?